Welcome to Catholic Moms in the Middle, a podcast for midlife moms who want to make the next season of life their best one yet. I am your host, Jenny Gwynn. You might find yourself transitioning into a new phase of life as your children become more independent or leave the nest. Mama, I am here to tell you that your life isn't over. You simply have new opportunities ahead of you. After years of pouring your heart and soul into raising your family, it is your turn to reconnect with yourself. In this podcast, we will talk about the joys and challenges of midlife. You will be inspired to rediscover your God-given purpose or to dust off old dreams and make them a reality. You'll learn how to navigate relationships with your adult children, to reconnect in your marriage, or focus on your health by being more active or finally losing the weight you've struggled with for years. Whatever this next season of life brings, this podcast will equip and encourage you to be happy, healthy, and holy. Hey friends, welcome. I'm Jenny Gwen, and this is Catholic Moms in the Middle. So today I have a dear friend with me. We worked together in ministry when she lived in Nashville. She was always such a wealth of information, um, her talks, anything she shared always inspired me and helped me grow closer to the Lord. So I'm excited to introduce you to Joan Watson. Welcome, Joan. Thank you, Jenny. Thanks for having me. Really great to be here with you. So um, over the past year, Joan uh, moved from Nashville up to South Bend and has taken on, it sounds like, lots of new roles. She's wearing quite a few hats right now, and she's doing some amazing work. So, Joan, will you tell us what you're doing? Sure. Um, it's always a funny question, or like when someone books me to come speak at their parish, I always have to ask, like, how did you find me? Because there could be a number of different avenues that you've heard of me. Because I think I'm on three podcasts now. I do speaking, I do writing, I write for a number of, of websites, but um, I, before I moved up to South Bend, I was doing a lot of freelancing, writing, um, podcasts. I have a podcast based on The Chosen, the, the TV series about Christ's life and looking at every episode through a Catholic perspective. And so that was keeping me busy while Chosen episodes were coming out. I write for a number of, of websites. But then this opportunity came up in, um, March of this year and it came up to do formation for a pilgrimage company. And I've always believed strongly in the power of pilgrimage. I've always incorporated pilgrimage as I worked in formation for the church. I worked at a Catholic college. I worked as faith director of faith formation for a, the Diocese of Nashville. I always incorporated pilgrimage. And so when this, this opportunity came to focus solely on the formation of pilgrims before, during, and after pilgrimage, it, see, it was a job written for me. Like I read the job description and at first I thought it was a joke. And later I found out when I flew up into the interview, um, they, when they first saw my resume, they thought somebody was joking too, because it just, it was such a natural fit for my background in formation, my love for pilgrimage, my travel, my experience abroad. So, um, it, I resisted for a little bit because that wasn't my plan. It was like, this isn't what I've decided I'm going to do with my life. And God was like, well, it's mine. Uh, so I resisted a little bit, but have moved up to South Bend to, to do formation. I think it really speaks very strongly of Verso. Uh, so it's Verso Ministries. Verso Ministries is the pilgrimage company. And I think it really speaks strongly of our founder's vision for pilgrimage, that he would hire someone solely to do formation. You know, we do much more than book hotel rooms and find nice dinners for you, right? We really believe that pilgrimage is an encounter with Jesus Christ. 
And we want to facilitate that encounter. And so my sole job is formation, not something you usually find in a business, in a, in a business that just wants to sell trips. But we view pilgrimage differently. And I, I really believe strongly in that. So everything I do, whether I'm on Scott Hahn's uh, podcast for the daily mass readings, Letters from Home, I have the Chosen podcast. We just started a podcast with Verso. And but everything I do is about facilitating that encounter with Jesus Christ. And so when this job came up to pair that with pilgrimage, it just seemed too good to be true. So I just want to help people fall in love with Jesus Christ. That's all I want. That's amazing. So for some people, the thought of going on a pilgrimage could seem daunting or overwhelming because usually we think of pilgrimages as somewhere far away. You know, you travel long distances to get there. So in your experience with pilgrimages, why are they so important to your faith life? Yeah. So um, one thing I think it's important to remember about pilgrimage is that it is the spiritual journey. It doesn't necessarily have to be internationally. doesn't necessarily need to be someplace far away. Because really a pilgrimage is actually just a microcosm of our life. That's something, so our, our new podcast with Verso is called In Via, I-N-N-Via, V-I-A, On the Way, On the Journey. And the, the podcast really focuses on the fact that we're all on this journey, like the spiritual life, the Christian life, daily life is a journey. And I think this pairs so well with your ministry, Jenny, because I think we can get kind of bored and stuck in a rut and not know where we're going. But when we begin to view our lives as this journey, ultimately, hopefully this journey to heaven, but this journey that we are accompanied by different people along the way, we have different experiences along the way. We fall off the path sometimes along the way. But that our whole life is a journey. When we begin to see life that way, we realize that every life, every day is exciting. Every day has a new opportunity. And so occasionally on this pilgrimage of life, that's when St. Augustine first uses the word pilgrimage to talk about the Christian life, not to talk about a trip to the Holy Land or a trip to Rome, right? Um, but when we occasionally on this pilgrimage of life, we take specific trips, places. Um, that's part of the Christian life is going on pilgrimage to the Holy Land or to Rome or to the Camino to the way on the way of St. James. And so we do this because at a certain time in our life, we say, I am going to make this dedicated time to search even more for the Lord and to remove myself from my daily life to go on search. And that doesn't have to be to the Holy Land. It could be to a shrine near our house. It could be simply a walking. I mean, my parish I grew up in does a walking tour or a walking pilgrimage back to our parish. <laughs> they go away and they come and they walk for two days to our parish. It's not so much about the destination as it is about our frame of mind in this on this trip. And I think that's important to remember. That's amazing. So it, it can be something very simple. Yes. Yes. It's all about, we talk a lot of in verso uh, when we prepare people for trips. I'm talking a lot about it on the podcast. We talk a lot about like the, the mindset of the pilgrim, right? That you can go on a trip to Italy and you can eat well and you can see lots of great things and you can go as a tourist. You could also go on a really great trip to Italy and eat really well, but go with the mindset of a pilgrim. And so it's all about how we're going. Are we going to simply to consume, to have pleasure, to, um, or are we going to search? Are we going to give? And we talk a lot about the open heart, the open mind, the open hands of the pilgrim, ready to receive, to receive what the Lord wants to do. And so again, that can happen in Italy, but it can also happen, 
you know, going to a shrine here in the United States or taking a retreat day, right? And going on retreat can be a type of pilgrimage for us. It's all about our mindset. Right. That's beautiful. I want to talk about a specific pilgrimage that you have coming up because I find it so fascinating. You are going to be traveling to different Marian shrines. Yes. Some of them may be familiar and some of them not so familiar. Yes. So I'm really excited about this trip. I had a trip to France in the work several years ago, and this thing called the pandemic happened. And uh, we had to cancel the trip. But one thing that really stayed in my heart was Lourdes and, and really wanting to go back to Lourdes. I haven't been to Lourdes, France since I was in high school. And I think that that's, it's such a place of healing. And one thing I think pilgrimage can really do for people is that healing aspect. Not all of us need physical healing, but goodness gracious, we all need healing in some sort in our life, right? Whether we need healing with a family member, whether we need healing from past wounds, whether we need healing with the church, and so one thing I've found is that pilgrimage really gives this unique opportunity for healing. I've especially found it if you've been hurt by the church, going out of your parish, going out of your daily life, going out of your diocese and seeing the church in a very different light, seeing the historicity of the church, seeing the bigness of the church, seeing the universality of the church can really change, can really heal us. And so I really want to go to Lourdes. And most people think I'm going to go on a pilgrimage to France and go to Lourdes. But Lourdes is actually hard to get to when you are in France. It's easier to get to from Spain. And that got my wheels turning. And I knew a lot of people did pilgrimages from Fatima to Lourdes across Spain. And so I started toying with this idea. And I had the opportunity kind of out of the blue to go to Fatima, not once this year, but twice. I've never been to Fatima this year, I found myself there twice because of this new um, opportunity with the pilgrimage company, with Verso. And I thought, I need to bring people to Fatima. I need to bring, and then I thought, I need to bring people to Lourdes. And I just had this burning desire to introduce people to the Blessed Mother, not just Fatima and not just Lourdes and the healing that's there, but then these shrines along the way in Spain. And so two of them in particular that, you know, maybe people haven't heard of are Zaragoza with Our Lady of the Pillar. So we'll be going there. And then the the sanctuary that I hadn't heard of before I, I started planning this trip, but it's called Torre Ciudad. And Torre Ciudad is the tower citadel. It's um, an ancient shrine to Our Lady, dates back to about the 10 hundreds, but it was built recently by Jose Maria Escriva. Will you share those stories? Sure. So um, Zaragoza is not one of the oldest cities in Spain. And Our Lady of the Pillar is there. Um, and it's actually the very first apparition of Our Lady. Um, it, we call it an apparition of Our Lady because she appeared, she appeared to St. James, the apostle, and she was actually still living. So it really was her bilocating more than us apparition that we think of today. But we refer to it as an apparition. St. James was evangelizing the Iberian Peninsula and he wasn't having a lot of success and he was getting very defeated and he was getting, um, I mean, we can all relate to this, right? So he was, he was doing his missionary work and he wasn't seeing any results. And Our Lady appeared to him. So this would have been 40 AD. Our Lady appeared to him and encouraged him and appeared on this pillar and told him that, you know, build me a church and the church will last till the end of time and it will be a source of grace for people. And so he did. They've been venerating Our Lady of the Pillar there since then. And there's a lot of really neat connections where Christopher Columbus actually landed in the New World on October 12th. 
the feast of Our Lady of the Pillar. And so the very first mass celebrated in the New World was for the feast of Our Lady of the Pillar. So she's actually one of the patronesses of the Americas. Um, and so we're going to be going there. It's just kind of a beautiful, I think, to go to like the oldest apparition when we're going to someplace very new like Fatima. So we're going to Zaragoza. We're going to Our Lady of the Pillar. And then we're also going to Torre Ciudad, which again, it's not an apparition site, but there was a devotion to Our Lady since um, the 11th century. That kind of um, came and went with the Reconquista of Spain. So Spain was taken over by the Muslims and it took a long time for Spain to become Catholic again. So what I love about this trip is that we're going to be talking a lot about Spanish history that we aren't really that familiar with. I mean, we don't learn about the Reconquista of Spain. We don't learn about the Spanish Civil War. Because I'm leading the trip, I'm going to be doing lots of teaching and formation, and I'm really excited about it. But um, after the Reconquista of Spain, devotion to Our Lady uh, was resurrected there in this little sanctuary. But it was just this kind of like beat up little shrine. It's a beautiful part of the world. It's in the Pyrenees. Jose Maria Escriva, the founder of Opus Dei, his mother went there to pray for him because he was very ill as a child. And she entrusted Jose Maria to Our Lady, and he was cured. He 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 was um, he got better. So when he became a priest, founded Opus Dei, he went to the sanctuary and built it, and said he wanted it to be a place where more people could come to receive healing and to receive miracles. And so now people all over Spain go to Torre Ciudad in search of miracles and in search of healing. So I'm really excited with what Our Lady can do in all these places are places of such peace and grace and healing for our pilgrims. And it's so amazing, like just hearing you talk about those two places I've never heard of before. And today I was reading in my Magnificat and there was a story about a Marian site in Colombia. I had never heard of it before and I can't think of the name of it now, but it is where the Blessed Mother is etched on the side of this cliff and it's the Blessed Mother and it's St. Francis and St. Benedict. Googled it and it's absolutely stunning. And they can't figure out how it got there because the, the artwork or the etching is like, it goes way into the stone, but there's this beautiful story of a mother and her daughter and how her daughter was healed. There are so many like little treasures within our church where like God is present on the earth and he's like, it's just inexhaustible. Yeah. That's what I love. You know, I think everybody kind of loves to think about travel. And I mean, I think that's why, you know, it's easy to have a travel podcast. I get to talk about travel. Everyone loves travel, right? Um, But to see that these are places where God wants to encounter us is so powerful. Like, we're not just traveling for the sake of travel. We're traveling to encounter God. But first, He wants to encounter us. And to remember that, that if we want to seek God, it's because he's first seeking us. And he shows it to us in all these different ways. Um, I mean, he showed it to us in the incarnation when he took on flesh. And he continues to work. He continues to work in the world. And we're not alone. We're not abandoned. He, he shows us every day that he loves us. And so by traveling to these places where he's shown us in big ways, whether it's etched you know, on the side of a mountain or whether it's an apparition of his mother, He's showing us in this way that he loves us. And then I think as we we cultivate this sense of gratitude and this recognition that the God that the God seeks us, we can see it when we go into our everyday life. And we can see it in the smaller ways. Because I don't know about you, but Mary's probably not appearing to you. She's not appearing to me. But God's showing me love in lots of ways throughout my life. And so we go on pilgrimage to these big places 
so that we can come back into our daily life and take that grace and peace into our daily life. Absolutely. You know that I have a heart for Medjugorje and love to travel there. And when you're there, there's this sense of like peace and calmness. You truly feel like you're in this little bubble and you're protected from all the chaos and craziness in the world. And we'll say, you know, we just want to stay here forever. This is where we just, we want to live. And, but it also inspires you to come home and recreate that, like to really think about the chaos and the craziness and how can I create, how can my home become a Medjugorje home? How can my faith life be surrounded by the heart of Medjugorje and the spirit of Medjugorje? And and so sometimes you have to let things go or you have to make changes or you have to really focus on getting to mass during the week and adoration and praying the rosary. And so you do, I agree, you bring home part of that experience with you and have this desire to recreate it in your heart. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And it, it requires, like you said, like conscious choices. You know, getting to mastering the week is difficult and requires sacrifice for a lot, right? So what do I need to change in my life to make that happen? Maybe I need to turn off the TV, right? Maybe I need to turn off the noise, you know, even just in the evenings, you know, when my family's together. And what what choices do I make to make my house peaceful because it is so tempting. Lords has the same feeling where when you go into the sanctuary of Lords, you cross into the gate, you immediately feel our lady's presence and you can't, you can't explain it. Like you just feel peace and you, anybody who's been there knows what it feels like. Right. And so it's like, I do, I just want to stay here forever. And it stinks that that's not what the Lord's called any of us to do. Right. The Lord called us to go out because he wants that peace throughout the world. He wants us to spread it. And so then to come back to our daily lives and say, how can I not forget that? Because it's really easy to go right back into our daily lives and forget that. Um, But how do I recreate that in my life, I think, is a really important lesson to take away from pilgrimage. And one of the important things that I learned, I've been to Medjugorje four times now, is that, you know, the first time I went and had all these expectations, like I wanted my rosary to turn gold and I wanted to see the spinning sun and you know, like I wanted all of the things. And there was a little bit of, I'm going to be honest, some disappointment that some of those things didn't happen. And when I went the second time, I thought, you know what, I'm going with zero expectations. God knows what's in my heart. He knows what I'm struggling with. He knows the prayers that I'm bringing with me, but I'm just going to go and be still. Like he tells us, just be still the fruits were so amazing. It was the little things, the birds singing and, you know, becoming completely silent during the apparition time. It was the bells tolling when someone in the village had passed away. The the bell rings one time for each year that they were alive. So it was like all of these little gifts when I just let God be in charge instead of trying to force things. And it was so amazing. That's and that's something we talk a lot about um, in the formation before pilgrimages is, is letting go of those expectations. You know, going with a prayer intention and going with intentionality, but not holding on too tight to what you think you need to receive, what you think you're going to receive, and allowing God to surprise you. We actually just uh, dropped an episode of In Via where we talked to a Holy Cross priest who did the Camino with a lot of questions. It was before he came to seminary. And he was discerning and he did the Camino of St. James, walked across Spain 
with all these ex- expectations of what he was going to hear from the Lord. And he got home and he was kind of mad because he heard nothing, right? Um, and so to, to know, like, how do I go in with intentionality to this trip, but with no expectations? Because the Lord loves to surprise us. Right. And we don't know what we need. He knows what we need. And so I love that, you know, going in with open hands, meaning I don't have expectations. I just go with intention and I'm ready to receive. So I'm sure you've been on lots of pilgrimages to many different places. Will you share one that was really impactful to your faith life? So I've been to the Holy Land three times. Every time I went to the Holy Land, I, I appreciated it as a gift because you don't know. It's just, it's a hard, it's a hard place to go, as we know right now, right? It's a difficult, we've had to cancel, of course, all our pilgrimages in our company um, right now. And so you go to the Holy Land um, with intense gratitude that you're able to walk where Jesus walked, with intense gratitude for the people, especially the Christians and that minority that are willing to live there and preserve the sites. People really stuck in the middle. They don't, um, they're persecuted on both sides as we're seeing right now. Um, and so the Holy Land, I think, has to be one of the most moving trips. And I often went with some pretty big questions for the Lord. And this last time I went, I was worried that I wasn't doing his will enough, that I, I had all these gifts and I knew I was coming into this trip with great blessings and graces and responsibilities and work in ministry. And I just, I remember sitting on the Sea of Galilee and just asking him, you know, I want to feed your sheep. I want to tend your flock. Am I doing it? Like, I, I, and I didn't hear a voice. I didn't, I just kind of cried out in kind of desperation, like, Lord, if I'm not doing the right thing, I need you to show me. And he didn't show me right away. I think I was doing the right thing. But eventually he gave me the courage then to to pursue kind of this ministry full-time to speak and write and do freelance. And then he's opened this job up. So um, I think the Holy Land, you feel so close to our Lord. Scripture is always my jam. I love scripture. I have an online community um, dedicated to scripture study where we do a uh, Bible study every month and we're kind of pursuing Lexio Divina and I'm teaching people how to do Lexio Divina, which is the ancient way to pray with scripture. And so I think the Holy Land will always be um, my love. And and I always go into those trips with immense gratitude and um, just waiting for the Lord to work. Um, each time we've able we've been able to have Holy Mass in the Holy Sepulcher. So actually in the tomb of our Lord, they close the door and they lock you in for 27 minutes and you get to be in there and celebrate Easter Mass within the tomb. So the graces are just abounding in the Holy Land. Um, Rome will always have a, a spot in my heart because I studied there twice. It really was the place that I called the faith my own, that I, I made the faith, um, okay, I love the faith and I want to help others love the faith. So I think every trip has its unique blessings and graces if we go in with the right, with the right, you know, no expectations, just ready to receive. And I'm sure you have your own little graces, but then to be the leader of a tour and to watch others' transformation has to be powerful as well. My favorite. It's my favorite. I I um I mean, I think I've led 10 trips to Rome, maybe. Um, and each time just it, because you you experience new things because you can't go to Rome without experiencing something new. I mean, I lived there and I still this last time I went in January. I, I saw new churches. I saw new things, right? You, um, But you see the same things over and over again, but you see them anew because you're seeing them through the eyes of people um, who didn't even know they existed. Like I'll, I'll, I love taking people to the Holy Stairs in Rome, which are the stairs that Christ walked up when he went um, on trial to Pilate. 
And St. Helen brought those stairs from Jerusalem to Rome, and they're in Rome, and you go up them on your knees. Um, very famously, Martin Luther went up them halfway and declared, like, this is all a bunch of bull, and stood up and walked down, right? So you don't want to be Martin Luther. Um, and so you're going up these stairs on your knees with great devotion in the, the I guess, not the footsteps, but the, the knee steps of countless pilgrims who've done it before you in, you know, walking, you know, kneeling where Christ walked. Nope, but so many people don't even know those exist. And then they do them and they think they can't do them, right? Like, how are you going to go up, what, 27 stairs on your knees? It's not easy. It is painful. I've seen 80-year-old, 85-year-old men go up them. Um, I remember one of the, one of my pilgrims, I, I assumed he wasn't going to go up them because he was old and I didn't think he was going to make it. And I turned around and I asked where he was once I was done with the stairs, you know, sweating and in pain. And they're like, oh, he's on the stairs. And I was like, like what? And not only did he do them, I think he had more energy the rest of the trip than I've ever seen him. Um, and he loved, like he was transformed. Thank you so much for joining me today and sharing these beautiful stories and this perspective about pilgrimages. Tell us when this Marian uh, pilgrimage is coming up. So it is June 20th to June 30th of next year, 2024. I encourage people also to follow our new podcast in VIA because I think if you like what you've heard about pilgrimage and you're interested in kind of different perspectives on pilgrimage, we delve a lot into that in that podcast. Awesome. I will be sure to include all of these many links that you are working on in the show notes. So will you close us with prayer? I would love to. I would love to. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this beautiful day, whether it's filled with joys or whether it's filled with crosses. We give them all to you. And we ask you to use these joys and use these crosses to transform us, to make us more like you. We ask you to protect us and to fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we can continue to do the good work that you've started in us. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, Joan. Thanks again for being with me. Thanks, Jenny. God bless. All right, friends. Until we meet again next week, go out and magnify Christ in your little corner of the world. God bless.